writer of Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under the sun. And I guess there's a time to, to move in and a time to move out. And unfortunately, today is the time for Gene Ailey to move out. Uh, about 21 years ago, just a tad over, in May of 1997, Marvin and Gene came here and placed their membership with this congregation and immediately had an impact on this church family. Uh, they have been very important to us for all those years. Uh, Marvin could always be seen up here tinkering with something. I don't know how many hours he put into the water fountains. I don't know if he ever got them working right, but he spent a lot of hours on them, giving it his best shot. Uh, Gene involved in so many different things. Together, they participated in uh, a mission trip to Fortaleza, Brazil, and a couple times went down to Sombrete, Mexico. Uh, you know, and Marvin and Gene were close. They loved each other, but but there was one incident that kind of made us wonder. Because we went down to, to Sombrete, Mexico, and this was an adult group. I don't think there were necessarily any kids with us. And, and so, you know, when we all got on the bus, I didn't count like I do when there's kids on the bus. I just said, is everybody here? And, you know, it, nobody spoke up. We'd just go along. And so we had stopped in the middle of Mexico at this little gas station convenience store to go to the restroom, maybe get something to drink. And everybody got on the bus and I got in the driver's seat and I said, everybody on? Everybody said, yeah. I said, okay. So we start driving off. I look in the rearview mirror and here comes Marvin running after the bus, <laughs> waving up and down. And so I slowed down and I stopped. I said, Gene, you sure you hadn't forgotten anything back there? She looked around and said, Marvin! <laughs> Good thing I looked in the rearview mirror. Now, who knows? Might have gone 100 miles or so. But of course, we lost Marvin a few years ago and and Gene has been so special to us, and we understand the circumstances to move, to be closer to family, uh, but we will certainly miss her. They have been a part of this congregation. Uh, they have done several things. I, I, don't want, I don't know how close to get to a line without crossing it, but she has given quite a bit anonymously to different things. Uh, the new building in Vermont, a lot of what we were able to contribute to that was because of the generosity of, of Jean. And, and so we, we certainly will miss you. She pulls out, I think, tomorrow. Is that right? Come back often, please. And I know she would say, if any of us are in the Phoenix area, come by and see her. And we certainly will, will do that. But we will miss you very much, Jean. Don't you hate being ignored Especially if you have something really important to say. Go on to the next one, Jamie. We're going to skip that part of the introduction. You know this verse by now, so just keep it memorized. So we're moving on in, in Hebrews about encouraging one another. But, but especially if you have something important to say. I, I, I was thinking about this. I do, how many of you watch C-SPAN? Sleep. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
Because that's about the most boring channel in the world, isn't it? I'd rather watch paint dry. C-SPAN, you know, and, and there's C-SPAN 2, believe it or not, like they have enough room for another C-SPAN. But anyway, you know, a lot of that is, uh, is, is videoing or, or broadcasting what happens in the House and Senate chambers. Uh, while, you know, and what I think is just depressing is many times there will be a senator or a congressman up there, if you ever happen to be watching. And he'll be giving this speech and he'll be pouring his heart out and the camera will be on him, you know, and he just, yeah, and then the camera will spread out and there ain't a soul in there. And you think to yourself, who are you talking to? And, you know, we've been in that situation. Parents have been in that situation with your children. Teachers have been in that situation with their students. You know, it's the eye roll, right? You tell them something and you're totally ignoring it. We had a saying in my family that has been actually passed down a little bit from generation that when somebody was ignoring somebody else, we would say, my button's off my jammies. And for years, I didn't understand what that meant. And so finally, I asked my mother one day, I said, what does that mean my button is off my jammies? And she said that when they were a young couple and I was little bitty, they were visiting these people's house in Germany where I was born. They were visiting this couple house who had, who had a couple kids and one of them was four or five years old or whatever. And he had done something or I don't know what the situation was, but the mama was really rebuking him, was really, you know, lecturing him, was really getting into him about what he had done. And he looked down, he said, I got a button off my jammies. <laughs> Not listening to a word that she was saying. And we had, we adopted that in my family as, you know, I've got a button off my jammies, which means I'm not listening to you or you're not listening to me as the case may be. The writer of Hebrews continues his warning that we saw uh, last week in, in chapter two with a rhetorical question. Chapter two, verse one, he says, we must pay very careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And we talked about that. We talked about drifting. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore or neglect so great a salvation? Now, rhetorical question is one that doesn't really need an answer. The answer is implied in the asking of the question. How shall we escape if we neglect or ignore such a great salvation? The answer is, we're not gonna. We'll get to that more in just a minute. There are some other great rhetorical questions in the Bible. In Romans chapter six, in verse one, Paul writes, shall we continue, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? God forbid, he says. Well, that's, that's a rhetorical question. The rhetorical question that I've heard most of my life, especially as a child was, do you want a whipping? That is meant to be a rhetorical question, right? I just once wanted to say, yeah. 
But I didn't want a whipping, so I knew better. I knew better. So he says, how shall we escape if we ignore or neglect so great a salvation? Now remember the context. The writer is writing to people who were on the verge of giving up their Christianity. They'd become Christians. Most of them to whom he's writing had left Judaism, or not really left Judaism, but but meshed from Judaism into Christianity. And now because of persecution, because of different things that were going on, because maybe they didn't understand the Christianity thing as well as maybe they should have, they were about ready to just give it all up and go back to Judaism. And the writer here says, if those who heard the message and didn't listen to the message that was given by the angels and the prophets, if they were punished, then how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation that was proclaimed through Jesus Christ? And so he is encouraging them not to give up because of this great and awesome salvation. This morning I want to spend a little time just thinking about why this salvation is so great. Well, first of all, it is great in cost. It costs a lot. We had, I think, maybe Ronald put up for Memorial Day uh, just a week, couple weeks ago on the sign. Freedom is not free. And we understand that. As Americans, we understand the cost that our freedom has cost us. The price that has been paid. Those who have given of their lives. Those who have given of, of, of other things in order that, that we can live free. And we understand that that is a great cost. And we ought to appreciate what we have because of the cost that was paid. The price that was paid. But even more than our physical freedom, we have our spiritual freedom. And it came at a great higher cost. It cost God himself, his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 says that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God already had the plan in place before he even created the world. Now that blows my mind. I got to tell you, there are certain concepts, certain theological principles or whatever that is that are very hard for me to grasp that is one of them for me personally that before adam and eve sinned before the world got so depraved as it did in genesis chapter 6 before god even spoke the world into existence he had the plan I get that once sin entered the world, God came up with a plan. That makes sense to me. But to have the plan in place, requiring the sacrifice of his son, 
before he created the world. Does that not tell us how much he loves us? Does that not tell us how much he longs for a relationship with us? The cost was great. Hebrews chapter 10 in a little bit, the writer is going to discuss more specifically why the sacrifice of Jesus was so much greater than the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Some of these people were saying, I want to go back to the old law. And the writer says, why would you want to do that? The blood of bulls and goats can do nothing for taking away our sins. But the blood of Jesus takes our sin away. God's own son. We were talking about this in the high school. Well, I guess it was high school and junior high this morning. Talking about this. Romans chapter 5 reminds us that God did not do it. God did not pay the price. God did not send his son after we were deserving of it. God demonstrates his love towards us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies to God. He says, you know, for a, for a friend or for a good person, one might sacrifice. But for an enemy, I got to tell you. I got three grandkids. And I love y'all. And y'all are my friends. But as much as I love y'all, and as much as you're my friends, I don't know. I don't think so. If I had to sacrifice one of my grandkids for you, But for an enemy, for an enemy, I ain't got a problem. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm so glad God doesn't think like me. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. So it's great in the cost, God's own son. But it is also great in its scope. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Second Peter 3 and verse 9. God does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. We've discussed this before. Is Christianity inclusive or exclusive? How do you answer that? Well, the kids, I don't know about this group, but the ones long ago, and these are kind of get. Sometimes they'll, 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 they'll get the idea that the answer is both. Well, the answer is both. Is Christianity inclusive or exclusive? It's both. In scope of who may partake or participate or is invited, it is inclusive. For God so loved the world. Not 
God just loved people in the Bible Belt. Not God just loved Americans. Not God just loved Jews. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Acts chapter 17, Paul says, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Now in that one verse, we see the inclusiveness and the exclusiveness. God commands all men everywhere. Everybody. Everybody's invited. The invitation is open to everybody. But God commands all men everywhere to repent. To repent. It's inclusive in that all are invited. It's exclusive in the sense that not all will accept the invitation. And those who do not accept the invitation will be left out. And that's, that's hard. But it's God's justice along with his mercy and along with his grace. There is a sense in which if God just said, I'm going to save everybody no matter what. That would be a, in a sense, disrespecting the sacrifice of his son. Well, whether they believe in Jesus or not, I'm going to save everybody. Whoa, wait a minute. Then why did I, Jesus speaking, not, you know, why did I come to this earth? Why did I have to go through that? Why did I sacrifice myself? If you're just going to save everybody. Those who believe, those who have faith, those who trust, those who repent are the ones for whom God offers salvation. Well, let me rephrase that. He offers it to everybody. Everybody. Thirdly, and go ahead and put the third one up because I changed this word 14 times. Okay. I couldn't remember what I stuck with. It is great and characteristic. Y'all, somebody will come up to me afterwards and say, you got the perfect word, but I could not find the perfect word. You know, there are a lot of different kinds of salvations. There are a lot of different rescues that we've been a witness to. Over here in 1981, plane crashed in the Potomac River just outside of Washington. Only five people survived. Many of those were survived when that ring would be brought by the helicopter. And there was a man by the name of Arlen Williams who was alive. And every time that ring would come down, he would put somebody else on that ring. And finally, by the fifth time, when it was time to come back and get him, he had slipped under the water and he drowned. The 14th Street Bridge has been renamed the Arlen Williams Bridge in his honor. Those of us who are of some age remember 1987 when little baby Jessica McClure fell down a little well pipe and was in there for a day and a half before she was brought out. Miracle, baby Jessica. That was really the the event that sparked 24-hour cable news. 
CNN was on that 24 hours a day and people were glued to it 24 hours a day. And that sparked the movement that we have now with our news. The Chilean miners, 33 of them. Let me get this exactly right. The mine collapsed on August the 5th, 2010. August the 5th. They were rescued on October the 12th. 33 of them. They made a movie about it, right? I don't know. How many of you saw the movie? I saw the movie. It was pretty amazing. What they did to survive and then what was done to rescue them. And then just recently, a Southwest airline flight from New York to Dallas. The engine disintegrates. One lady is killed when she sucked out the window. But they interviewed the rest of the passengers. And can you imagine, you know, talk about being ignored. How about a flight attendant? Those of you who fly. The flight attendant at the beginning of the flight. As she's sitting there saying, you know, this is how you buckle your seatbelt. This is how you undo the seatbelt. Here are your emergency exits. You may use your, you know, your seat as a flotation device. And then she goes into the, and in the unexpected loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will come down. Now, I don't know about you. I have flown enough in my lifetime. I don't pay attention anymore. There's a button off my jammies. When she's speaking. Now I do kind of look. I do kind of look around when I first get on. To find out where the nearest exit is. Do kind of want to know that. But they were interviewing passengers. On this southwest flight. And the explosion. Happened. A piece of the engine. Comes through that window. Sucking everything. That way including the lady that was sitting there. The pressure drops and all of a sudden the masks fall out of the ceiling. Everybody is scrambling. Everybody that they interviewed thought they were going to die. They all thought they were going to die. Many of them called home. You know, what do they tell you? Please put your cell phone away and don't call. Well, at this point, I'm calling. Right? I can't do any more harm to the plane. But miraculously, the pilots were able to land the plane with just that one casualty from the initial. Aren't those great? I don't know if you've ever been rescued. I don't know if you've ever been saved from death. But that's nothing compared to the great salvation we have in Christ. You know what? Those five people that were saved on that Air Florida flight, they're either dead or they're going to be dead. Baby Jessica, one of these days, she's alive and well, by the way, but one of these days... She's going to die. All 33 of those Chilean miners 
they're eventually going to die. All those people on that Southwest flight eventually going to die. Think about perhaps the greatest rescue or salvation ever. Lazarus has been dead for four days. He is in the tomb. His body is decaying and stinking. And Jesus raises him from the dead. Not snatched him from the grip of death. Raised him from the dead. But you know what? Eventually, Lazarus died again. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has rescued us spiritually, eternally, forever. He's not rescued us to be put back in this world with all the sin. He has rescued to take us one day out of this world and from all the sin and death and sorrow that we have here greater by far than any other salvation we could possibly imagine so he asked the question how shall we escape if we ignore or neglect so great a salvation well how could we ignore or neglect it well we could ignore or neglect it First of all, by letting other things interfere. You know, whether it be family or friends or jobs or recreation, none of which are bad things. But if we let them interfere with our relationship with God, interfere with our salvation, it's as if we are neglecting or ignoring our salvation because we put too much emphasis, too much importance on these other things. We can also neglect or ignore it by not spending time in worship. In chapter 10 and verse 25, eventually he's going to say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Our time together as a church family in worship and encouragement to each other is vitally important. We can't neglect that. We can't ignore that. We need each other. We sang that song right before, you know, love one another. We we love one another, but, but we need one another as well. And we should encourage one another as well. And we can only encourage one another when we are together. Let's be together at every opportunity to encourage each other. We can also ignore our salvation by not studying and continuing in prayer, learning and knowing what God has to say for us. Time to study together. You know, we we need that opportunity to, to learn what God has for us. And you might say, well, I've known the Bible my whole life. Well, that may be true. You telling me there's not something else you can learn? You not tell you telling me there may not be something you forgot? Something that maybe didn't mean much back then, but would mean more now. You know that's why nurses and doctors and and you know even teachers and many others of you in your jobs, you know, 
You have to do what's called continuing education. You have to get retrained or recertified or, or retaught in certain, area, certain areas because things change. Recently, some of you remember, you know, I used to be an EMT, worked on the ambulance for 10 years. I was a certified CPR instructor. I can tell you're impressed. That was like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. I had to go back recently, just a month or so ago, and get recertified in first aid and CPR. And I'm thinking to myself, they can't teach me nothing. I, I used to be an instructor. I've done CPR on people. Uh-oh, wow. Everything has totally changed in CPR in the last 15 years. The number of times you do compressions, the number of, the number of breaths you use, when you use breaths, all that, everything is totally different from when it was when I was certified all those years ago. We need to keep in God's word so that it's fresh, so that we know how to use it in our lives and when things happen. We can also ignore and neglect our salvation by not living right. By not living a life worthy of the calling. By not becoming more and more holy each and every day. Becoming more Christ-like. If we just kind of decide, eh, I'm good enough. I'm done. We're neglecting, ignoring what God has to say about becoming better and better and more righteous and more holy and more godlike in our lives. And we can also neglect our salvation by not sharing it with others. I love Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. After Stephen was stoned at the end of Acts chapter 7, it says that Paul, Saul, amongst others created a great persecution on the church in Jerusalem. So the church in the church in Jerusalem, they scattered. They fled Jerusalem because of the persecution. But it says everywhere they went, they went preaching the word. I don't think that meant they were getting up in the synagogues, all of them. I don't think it meant they were, you know, finding a pulpit somewhere. And it just meant everywhere they went, not just geographically, but socially. If they were at the marketplace, if they were at the well, if they were wherever they were, they would talk to people about Jesus. We can't neglect our salvation by not sharing it with others. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We have to be willing to share it with other people. So the writer asks the question, how shall we escape if we ignore or neglect a great salvation? The answer is, we won't. We will not escape. If we don't put into practice our salvation, if we don't appreciate our salvation, if we don't live out our salvation in our lives, we will not escape it. God will not be kind to those who ignore it. That's what happened with the Israelites. You know, God led them out of Egypt. Remember all the plagues against Egypt? Remember the death of the firstborn? Remember crossing the Red Sea? Remember manna from heaven, water from a rock? And weren't the people so appreciative? Woo, God, thank you for taking us up out of Egypt. 
Thank you for providing for us while we're in the desert. Thank you for leading us. No. It was grumble and complain. Grumble and complain. Grumble and complain. Over and over and over and over again. And then they showed their lack of faith by not entering the promised land when God told them to. And God said, you know, okay. I'm done with you people. All you people, you're going to die in this wilderness. The next generation, I'll take to the promised land. And you'll wander around until all of y'all are dead. They did not escape, ignoring a salvation that is not even close to what God has given us. If you're here this morning, there's some way we can help or encourage you. We invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D. C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol dot com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 818- West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.